I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'll miss you. I just don't want to do this fucking show anymore. Welcome to the final Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morse, joined for the last time by... Hello, ladies. Oh, yes. He's here. He's lathered up in baby oil. He's got whipped cream on his nipples, ladies and gentlemen. It's Scott Haskin. Scott, how are you doing tonight? I I cannot uh, confirm nor deny those claims. Did I ever tell you I had, uh, well, we have a guest tonight, but before we introduce Fuck our him. guest. No, we're, uh, we're talking to the sexiest man in podcasting. We'll, we'll get to that other <laughs> loser in, in enough time. I, uh, I used, I had a dream that I actually auditioned for the WWE and Vince McMahon and I came up with a whole character for me. I was going to be daddy's chubby little secret and I was going to have some like mental issues and uh, the story was going to be like my dad was embarrassed and he would just keep me in a closet and feed me, you know, with like a tray underneath the closet door. And I never exercised. And that's how I got fat. And uh, that could have been my fortune. But no. Well, that would explain the uh, uh, daddy's chubby little secret tattoo on your forehead that I've always wondered about. But uh, <laughs> that's too much information for the final episode. But like you alluded to, we do have a guest. We should introduce him now. That's right. It's everybody's favorite transplanted Liverpoolian. I can't remember where in the fucking England he's from, so I'm going to say Liverpool because I know it's close to there, and he likes the Beatles. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Brown. How's it going, Kevin? It's going absolutely marvelously. I'm just, I don't know if, how gutted Scott is that he finally gets his own theme music, his own entrance music, and you're killing the fucking show. Yeah, I know. Hey, two episodes, he, he had his own theme. It. Yep, exactly. Like, we, 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 where do you go from here? <laughs> I mean, how much more black can this be? And the answer is none. None. Yeah, once you've reached the top of the mountain, you can only go down from there. That's right. Well, welcome, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me on, boys. This is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm very very sad that it's the last episode, though. You know what? I'm I'm one of your listeners, and I, I, you know, I love and I enjoy it every week. So, well, you're you're one of three. You guys, you're you're one of three that like the show. (laughs) And Uh, the other two are on the show. That's right. So uh, (laughs) we're we're not going to be too missed, but. uh, well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. There are a uh, myriad of podcasts to listen to, as I might allude to later on in the show. But I have to issue a correction of something that I said last week that Kevin doesn't know about because the episode hasn't aired yet. Uh, I said on the song that we drew that it was featured in the film Shock em Dead with Tracy Lords. It is not. I went back oh. through the film and I cannot for the life of me remember which film I've heard it in, but there's it was like a rock version. There's this wonderful arpeggio right before they say over me. Have no idea what film that was. However, interestingly, this song was featured in the film Armageddon. Everybody's Corey's nodding his head because yep. he already knew that. I did because uh, Armageddon holds a special place in my heart because I got booed out of a movie theater uh, when watching it. What? It, Armageddon is maybe the, the dumbest fucking movie ever. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, to the point where Ben Affleck even got yelled at by the director. It's on the on the commentary uh, for Armageddon where Ben Affleck go, goes to Michael Bay and goes, Hey, Michael, uh, wouldn't it be easier to teach uh, highly intelligent and skilled astronauts how to drill a hole in something than teaching idiot <laughs> drillers uh, to go into space? And Michael Bay just went, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but no, there, oh, good there, there, there's a scene in Armageddon where they're going to go fly up to this asteroid 
and they're going to drill a big hole in it and blow it in two. And it, it's and and they get up there. And of course, on their drilling platform, they put machine guns because you have to have machine guns on a drilling plot, especially on an asteroid. You never know who you're going to fucking meet on an asteroid, right? <laughs> so they put machine guns on it, and then and then Steve Buscemi's character um, goes nuts for a little bit and hops on the thing and starts shooting up the place with the machine guns, and uh, and the, and the one serious astronaut who went on the mission very seriously turns to to camera and says, "He's got space dementia." And I lost it. I laughed so hard. I thought that's maybe the dumbest fucking thing I had ever heard in my life. And people were booing me. And I, I don't blame them, but yeah. I'm also not wrong. No, you're not wrong. But there's there's another factor here that I think we're missing, and that's you think it's a horrible movie, yet you watch the commentary. Oh, I didn't say it. I, it's <laughs> eminently watchable. I, I love watching oh. bad movies. The Room is one of my favorite movies. And it's oh, God. it's maybe the worst movie ever made. But it can't be because it gets so bad, it comes all the way around to become brilliant again. Mm. But have you seen Death Race 2000? Not in a long time. Like the remake or the... Oh, no, the original is the still original? on. I mean, I yeah, think not it in a long rashes time. the room. Yes, yeah, because I... it's, not, it's not trying to be weird or quirky or bad. It just is. Well, neither was the room. Oh, so, I suppose so. Tommy yeah. Wiseau <laughs> thought he was making a, a love story. And only after, when everybody started laughing at it, did he go, oh, no, I meant it as a comedy. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> That's when you go, oh, yeah, that was a comedy. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> don't, you don't make a comedy on film and video. He actually built a rig, and he had a film camera on one end of it and a video camera on the other, and he shot simultaneously with both. So he shot the whole thing on 32-millimeter film and then another, and then again on high-definition video. It's hmm. just, it boggles the mind what his thought process was. As the French would say, pourquoi? <laughs> well there was that Bjork movie where they they used 99 cameras to shoot one scene which was what? a little much. There's a Bjork movie? Yeah, she mm. plays this woman who's go works in a factory and is going blind and of course it turns into it's a musical because in her head like she goes into this fantasy world where she's the star of a musical. Uh really terrible low budget type acting. The film actually had a pretty decent story, but that was the big thing was there was 99 cameras that they used to film this one scene. And I thought, I think you could have done it in 74. There you go. 99 oh, cameras well. and a Bjork ain't one. Um, it was <laughs> Dancer in the Dark and of course Dancer directed by Lars von Trier. So there you go. That explains <laughs> <go>. everything. Yeah. <laughs> Just think they, that's 99 cinematographers they had to have on that set that day. Well, one cinematographer could have set up 99 cameras. I mean, that is, that yeah, is possible. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Oh, that's not... Okay. You're, if you're bringing 99 cameras, you're getting 99 people watching them. <laughs> well, uh, camera operator, sure, but cinematographers? Uh, the cinematographer technically is in charge of... I thought you worked on film sets, Scott. Come on, I, I did. Mean, I, you worked on porno film sets, which normally <laughs> has, like, one guy doing eight jobs. So it's... I, yeah, I, I, I get well, your I was busy. Yeah. Well, I know, hence <laughs> the, the tattoo and the baby oil. But, man, have we got off topic. Maybe this is one of the reasons why we're not doing this fucking show anymore. Thank um, God for Costco. <laughs> episode 98, we're wrapping up. And uh, maybe we should give uh, some explanation why. Um, uh, Scott, let's start with you. Oh, sure. As soon as I take a sip of coffee. Well, <laughs> I waited for that. I, I think um, I think a couple things. Um, I'll I'll let you get into your reasons, Corey, and I support you 100%. That was really the premise for why we're ending the show. But uh, for me, for now, I will say I think we've got a good mixtape. I think we have a fine representation of Aerosmith as it is right now. 
you can go through and you can nitpick this song slightly better than that song, or maybe this song belongs here more than the other. But at the end of the day, do we have a mixtape that we could hand to somebody who is interested in Aerosmith and give them a well-rounded view of this band? And I think we have that right now. I would agree. And that's one of the reasons why I was comfortable ending the show now. Uh, basically, I got a ton of personal reasons uh, why uh, time is a big factor uh, when you got kids. And I joke all the time that I hate my family. That's why I spend so much time away from them in front of a microphone. But that's actually not the case. Uh, we got a bunch of uh, stuff coming up. And this was just, uh, you know, with work and with everything, uh, it, it, was, it stopped becoming fun. Uh, it also stopped becoming fun uh, hearing how much I suck. Uh, which, uh, which I don't mind the odd person saying, you know, you know, giving negative comments. We got a lot of negative comments on this show. Uh, to be frank, uh, we could get the odd, nice one. I, I think of people like, uh, good old Michael Green, who, who kind of stuck with us, uh, for a long time and Kevin Brown actually, uh, who's kind of getting back into Aerosmith, but I just don't know Aerosmith that much to justify doing a deep dive podcast on him. I feel I like the band. I like the music. Uh, if I hear something I'm not so keen on, I'm going to say so. And then I'm going to get uh, yelled at uh in in cyberspace from strangers and i don't care to do that uh, so much anymore well i think that's the the real issue for me too is that uh you know and i've been podcasting for years and i've certainly had my share of negative comments and there's a part of me that says you know what fuck the bullies let's finish the show in spite of them but the bottom line is if we're not enjoying it we shouldn't do it and if that's something that um, and certainly understandably is ruining it for you, then yeah, there's no reason to go on. But I think the the problem lies in what the expectation is versus the expectation we've set. We've said so many times on the show, we're not experts. I've said almost every episode, this is my first time hearing this song. Um, but what people say is these guys are doing a podcast so they know this band or they expect us to be experts. And all they hear is what they want to hear. And then they make that what the standard for the show is. No matter how many times we say against it, they're just going to believe that. The problem I have is not with people having opinions. I don't care. Uh, everybody's entitled to their own feelings. I certainly took enough shit on the Uriah Heat podcast. But my issue is the way they express them. If you listen to a show and you don't like it, stop fucking listening. That's all there is to it. You could, you could tell people, hey, you know what? There's these guys that do an Aerosmith show. I didn't really like it. And, and leave it at that. Let them check it out and decide for themselves. We're supposed to have that freedom as, as human beings to make our own decisions. But if you have to go and start a Reddit thread or a thread on Twitter or wherever you're doing it, complaining about the show, the problem is you. Because all you had to do was not listen. You gave it a chance. You didn't like it. Fine. There's a million other podcasts. There's probably a hundred other Aerosmith podcasts. I don't know. I've never looked. But to take it that far, that you're so upset that somebody started a podcast and you didn't, that you have to go to those measures to make sure that you ruin it for everyone else, the problem is you. And that's my bottom line on that. And I think it's that thing. I mean, I mean, we all podcast. I'm a podcaster too. And you I think people forget sometimes that we're not getting paid for doing this. We're not a part of the estate. We're not, you know, we're not part of the like the Aerosmith legacy. We're not part of, you know, or you guys are not part of Aerosmith legacy. You guys are doing this out of 
you'd love this band or you'd love music and you want to listen, learn more about this band. And that's what I've always loved about this podcast. And that's what I think that people like about some of the podcasts that I do is it's let's have this journey together. We're going to learn. I don't know everything about Tom Petty. You guys don't know everything about Aerosmith. Corey, you don't know everything about Van Halen. And Scott, I'm sure that, you know, despite being a, a catalog fan of your I heap, you would have learned tons during the process of, of that podcast, not oh, least yeah. of, of digging deeply into the music. So, you know, from my side that what pisses me off about that is, is you, you, you've got the wrong handle on it. You've got the wrong handle on what this is. This is an informal chat between two friends about music that they sometimes love and sometimes don't. It's no more, it's no bigger or smaller than that. And I think if you can't get on board with that, as you said, that's a you problem, you know? Yeah. We, we did pretty yeah. well at educating the Van Halen fans. They're, they're not so vocal anymore. And the ones that were looking for like a diehard, I want every little tidbit of fact about the band podcast, they know not to come to us. They can go to Dave and Dave or they can go to, uh, you know, the DLR podcast does a really good job, the Vocus Oda show, if you want to split your Sammy and your Dave stuff. We're just two guys exploring a catalog. Period. And, and the people that we have uh, supporting us on that show now are tremendous. Like uh, Kevin likes to allude to this little, this little community we've built, this little family. And it really has kind of become that. And um, the, the show that Kevin and I do now, The Ultimate Cataclysm, we don't have to be experts on anything. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're just rating songs as, as kind of we're hearing them and, and having some fun doing it. And uh, I would think that Metallica would have like people like ready to lynch us uh, at some of the oh, comments yeah. we've made about the music, but they haven't. Uh, because I, I think maybe people are listening to that show and understanding, like, well, they're they're not going to tell me, you know, what suburb of wherever in fucking uh, Copenhagen that Lars Ulrich once visited as a, as a young lad or anything like that. Any of that boring minutia bullshit. We just want to explore a certain section of their catalog and rate it accordingly. So that that's the kind of podcasting I want to do. Not not so much uh, deep diving uh, into bands where I know a little bit, but geez, not enough that some people wish I did. But don't you think too though? If you if you tuned into a podcast and the host knew literally everything about that band, I don't know what your entry point is into that. If you're not like at that level, and if you are at that level, you already know all that stuff. So why would you listen to it then? Yeah, you know what I mean. That's why I like you and Scott, or you know, you and Mark, or I like I like that back and forth and those those differences of opinion on. Well, I don't love that part of this song, or I don't like that song at all. That's what makes it interesting to me. You know. Well, that was one thing about the Uriah Heat podcast I found really fascinating because from the beginning, I I didn't get heavy into the trivia of the band. Um, you know, I talked about who was on the song and, and gave them that credit, but I didn't go into who wrote it, whose name is on it, who did what on the song very much. Um, it was about the enjoyment of the music, what I liked and what I didn't like in the music and discovering that. And I would constantly get emails about, well, you didn't mention this, and I can't believe you didn't talk about this argument that they were having. Like, And I would say on the show, I don't know how many times I said it, I don't care. Yeah, This, this show is about the music and the song. Bands don't get together because they want you to talk about them fighting or you know what was going on in the band. They get together because they want you to make music and they hope that you enjoy it. With Aerosmith, we've talked about it a little more in depth than I normally would because it is a part of the music. Their tumultuous history between the infighting and drugs and rehab and lackluster production and everything else is very much a part of the song. Whereas with most bands, they can still crank out music despite those issues. So I I I, I think people say, here's what I hope this podcast is. Okay, it's not that, but I still want it to be that. So I'm going to keep hoping every week they turn it into what I want instead of saying, okay, this podcast isn't for me. If you want that podcast, go make it. Like, by all means, yeah. like, I recommend anybody, uh, you know, pick up a mic. I've had people uh, listen to some of my other show and, and message me privately and say, 
you know, I was thinking about doing a show like this. Uh, one of those guys was Chaz Charles. He has like three of these shows now. Uh, yep. Another guy's, I, I really want to start a Huey Lewis podcast. I said, that's fantastic. Do it. Like, wow. I, I would totally listen to a Huey Lewis podcast. Uh, there was a, a one guy who wanted to do a George Michael podcast. Absolutely. And I, a couple of those haven't gone off the ground yet. I hope I'm not spoiling anything, but I hope these guys follow through and, and I do hope those he calls shows. it, I want a new pod. I know, right? I really <laughs> that do. Was, that was oh, my here name. we go. Here we go. <laughs> that was my name, Scott. I pitched that when we were talking to Huey Lewis, if you remember. Well, and anyone who uh, who wants to learn the technical side of it, I've got a whole tutorial on YouTube of how I do my podcast, from the equipment I use to the, the way that I you know filter it and do all that. I'm probably going to have to update that at some point because I think I found better ways to do it over the years. But it's not that hard, guys. It, it's really not. I, it sounds harder than it really is. And once you get past the setup process of it, it's just doing shows after that. Yep, and you're going to have to put up with uh, negative comments. We all. Uh, know that uh, we've all dealt with our share, but a constant barrage uh, of people wanting a show to be something it's not kind of makes it not fun any, you know, anymore. And it kind of made me not want to listen to the group anymore, which is kind of the biggest thing because I really do mm -hmm. like Aerosmith. Uh, so that's well, one of the reasons anymore. I wanted to stop the, uh, the, the show because I want to go back to enjoying their catalog. So, <laughs> and, and that's a fair point. And uh, again, I hate to let the bully win mentality of it, but I certainly back a hundred percent us ending the show today. As, as anybody who puts anything out into the world, whether you're a podcaster or like I do with my books and music and podcasts, um, you put yourself at risk and, and you know that putting it out there. But there's a difference between, you know, I'm not really a fan of the way they do this. So this show isn't for me or these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I don't know what their problem is and, you know, whatever yeah. else people are going to say. Um, I beta read books for authors and there's a big difference between me giving the feedback of, okay, this part is just dumb versus this didn't really work for me. Here's what I don't like about it. Or here's how I think you might be able to tie it back together. Those two things are very, very different. And if you're just someone who needs to rage and vent because you've got some pent up issues, then do it on your own issues. Don't, don't go attacking other people because you have nothing better to do. Yeah, well, one's constructive criticism, the other's being a dick. Yeah. That's that's the line, right? There's no ambiguity about that. It's well it's Wheaton's law. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Yep. Just don't don't be mean to people. You know, I would say anyone who listens to this who does sometimes think I'm I'm gonna jump online here and trash someone. Real people make these things. You know, we all have we do all have feelings, or as Mr. Woods likes to point out, Corey, I have I have a feeling. Mm -hmm. Kevin only has one feeling, but it's a big <laughs> feeling, and sometimes it gets hurt. So just just scroll by. No one's forcing you to listen. If you don't want to listen, that's fine. Just go find something else. But uh, yeah, anyone who's, anyone who's picking on my mate, Corey, go fuck yourself. That's all I'm going to say. I'll finish on that. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yeah, it's just clever a turnabout. It's such a fine line, like you said, Kevin. And yeah, and I, 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 I feel safe in, in speaking for everybody on the call. I say we probably heard podcasts that we weren't really big fans of. But I didn't like seek those people out to say, holy cow, that sucked ass. If somebody asked me my honest opinion on something, I would tell them, like not, you know, rudely. But um, if I heard a podcast that I just, you know, you know, going through the, the motions, oh, uh, Apple recommends this one, I'm going to give it a listen. Fifteen minutes and no, not really my bag. I just move on with my day. Yeah, and and they're happier, would, and I'm happier. Would you guys like to know a little secret? No. I found the Deep Purple podcast. I think there were two episodes in at the time, and I was just looking on iTunes to see if there were any new uh, interviews with the band. And I saw the podcast and I got all excited and I listened to the first two episodes and I'm like, oh my God, this show sucks. I did not like it at all. 
but I felt because I love the band so much, I felt compelled to give it time and see how it developed because I could tell also that they were like, we don't really know what we're doing yet. We're just kind of throwing this together and it's going to grow and, and all that. And, and it's one of my favorite shows. I, I've not missed an episode. I've been a guest on it multiple times, but I hated it in the beginning. And now like Nate and John are two of my really dear friends. So, you know, if, if you go into things with an open mind, you'll be surprised what you can find. If you go into it with um, a, a negative mindset, then that's exactly what you're going to get out of it. That's interesting. That show has now morphed into one of the granddaddies of the entire uh, music podcast uh, world, Deep Dive Podcast yeah. Network. They're, they're one of the gold standards right up there with uh, Pot of Thunder. And uh, if you go back and listen to their first episodes, they didn't even listen to the whole song. They would just go, ah, oh, that's enough of that and stop the song. <laughs> and it was like a whole different version than what you hear now. And um, it's it's really nice because things do evolve. I mean, we we start out something, but it's going to morph as time goes on. We come up with ideas uh, we learn different things. We try different approaches. Something happens that causes a change, um, like our change in host. I was not an original member of the show. But if if you're willing to give things a chance and, and see how they grow, then you might be surprised what you enjoy. But if you if you just say everything sucks, then that's how your life is going to be. Yeah. So uh, we're going to leave it in that. We are going to finish off our mixtape here tonight for you folks, for the ones that uh, were enjoying the ride and, and enjoying the show. Uh, what's going to happen is uh, Scott picked uh, three tracks out of what's left out of the entire Aerosmith catalog that we haven't covered yet. Any three tracks. I've also picked three tracks. And we're we're going to play a little snippet, and we're going to discuss back and forth. And we brought Kevin on because he's actually going to be our uh, impartial judge, even though he likes me much better than Scott. He's going to be very impartial. Remember, I podcast with you, Kevin. And he's going <laughs> to he, he's going to like just based on the arguments, he's going to help us shape uh, our our final uh, mixtape. Uh, here and really, uh, if anybody out there kind of wants to, uh, you know, take up the mantle of an Aerosmith podcast, deep dive podcast, please do. Uh, I know I'll be listening, and if I don't like it, I won't be telling you. I'll just be moving on with my day. But if I do like it, I'll let you know, and, and I'll be checking it out. So hopefully, somebody out there, because I don't think there are a ton of Aerosmith podcasts, will maybe, you know, kind of pick up the baton now that we've dropped it uh, in the mud, and uh, we'll and take it can, and run. You can even start with our mixtape, and you yeah. can, you know, if you want to, uh, totally could do that. Um, before we start with today's, Corey, should we finish off our come together or our, uh, hop episode with the Twitter poll? Yes, absolutely. And actually I'm glad because uh, Kevin's here. And one of the things I did enjoy, uh, with both you and with Kevin was maybe introducing you guys to some deeper cuts you might enjoy. And Kevin, uh, you let me know the other day, you're actually kind of a fan of the hop. Yeah. I mean, I sort of, dis it's another album that I'd sort of dismissed and didn't like it the first two or three times that I heard it. So I just thought, well, fuck that. I'm not going to listen to that again. You know what I mean? Hmm. Totally missed that one. And I really enjoyed that. I like a swing. I like a groove. And I agreed with your comments. It pieces a little bit. And there's a few sections where you think, ah, oh, the harmonica do drops off a little bit there or whatever. But overall, I really enjoyed the song and it's on my playlist now. Perfect. It's a bit of variety, right? Something that, that doesn't really sound exactly like anything else they did. Very interesting because our Twitter poll uh is very split we had three options of course hop on that tape uh good but not enough and hop away were our options so hop on that tape was 20 percent good but not enough was 20 percent leaving 60 percent saying hop away oh, really did not enjoy the song that much uh we did get uh five votes on the poll and um, we had a couple of comments, though. Tom Dustin, thank you, guys. You know what? We've been we've been talking about the negative people, but I just want to take a second to say, for those who did support us, those who have done the Twitter polls, have have followed the show, listened and and left feedback and all that. Thank you, guys. Uh, 
Um, it's not that you don't make the show worth doing because you certainly do. And uh, I, I don't want it to, uh, to go without saying that we appreciate you guys very much. Absolutely. Tom Dust said, it's not a track that would immediately spring to mind as a mixtape worthy track, but I really enjoyed hearing it on the show. Production isn't great. And that fade out lets it down. I think I mentioned that when, when we did the show that I didn't like the fade out. Uh, that being said, I love it. It's ACDC. Uh, it's, it's an ACDC vibe. I'd lose bone to bone for this one and hop it on that tape. <laughs> Kevin, not happy. Kevin, like bone to bone. <laughs> I'm sulking. <laughs> <laughs> was that the one? Were you, was that your episode, Kevin, that, that that one got on the tape? No, I did. Combination and Simaria are the two tracks that I did. And they're both on the tape. They're both on there. Yeah. We should have just had Kevin do the show by himself. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ, no. Pillboy said, uh, I could vote for that fucker without even hearing it. <laughs> but he doesn't say good or bad. Well, I'm guessing I'm guessing that uh, they're they're the twenty percent. <laughs> well, you made you made a good point though on that on on I think it was on the hop episode where you said that you you sort of have an implicit because you're talking about whether you should have that third option on the polls, mm-hmm. and you have an implicit one because you're not upvoting and downvoting in this one. You're just saying, well, okay, you could have a you know, I mean, if you look at the the tracks, the 18 tracks you've got on this mixtape right now, and the tracks that you're going to be looking at tonight. You've got some huge heavyweight songs, so it's not that one's bad. It just yeah. means that it's better than that one, right? So I don't think I don't think the hot would replace any of those any of those for me either. Yep. I like that. It, doesn't but make I wouldn't it put it on any of those. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and that's why I wanted to add that third option because I felt there were so many that fell in the middle but don't get the chance to show that because they're up against a pretty stiff list of competition. Yep, so I'm really glad right. I thought of that before we ended the show. <laughs> <laughs> Like 10 episodes ago, yeah. <laughs> but uh, as you're sitting there talking, uh, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm looking at our mixtape too, and I'm like, I, I got to call an audible. Like, I know I told you guys I'm picking these three songs. I think I have to pick a different song. Because okay. we got a song on the all-time top nine right now that I really want to replace with another song. So I, I'm going to leave that a secret. So I, I'm going to suggest, I, I'm going to call an audible on mine, uh, and I'm going to take off one of the songs I was going to do tonight. And the song I'm taking off, is the song that would have gone on the deep cuts. We're going to do six hits tonight here, folks. So what? six potential ones going on the all-time top nine, which means we've completely finished off the deep cut side of the mixtape. Let's recap them for you here, folks. We have Hearts Done Time, Road Runner, No More, No More, Girl Keeps Coming Apart, Bone to Bone, Coney Island Whitefish Boy, It Made It, Kevin, Lucky You, The Farm, Simariah, Rats in the Cellar, and Combinations. Yeah, both your tracks that you were on for, Kevin, are on here. Uh, we got a, a great little uh, Joe Groove and combination, Rats in the Cellar. Uh, I got to keep that even just for John, because John did this show with us for 50, 60 some episodes, and that was his tune. He loved rats, and I love rats too. And it's like, we, we, we can't end the show and not have Rats in the Cellar on there. Uh, the you know far- what's funny about that, though? What's that? You wanted so to take it all off? Of, <laughs> all of the songs on the deep cut side for me are dark green, meaning that I love them, except Rats in the Cellar, <laughs> which gets amber. Which is eh. Well, and I'm, I, I would, I would have been surprised had the song that you picked, Corey, the the, the non single. I would have been very surprised if that hadn't replaced Rats in the conversation. I would have been, I would have been surprised if that one didn't end up on the on the mixtape. Well, I tell you so what, that was interesting. You know what? Uh, we we could just do seven tonight. It's our show. It's our final show. If we still want to debate that song, there because there there's maybe mm-hmm. a cut or two on the deep cuts I would take off for this track. But not rats. I, I I would have to fight for rats. Okay. 
Uh, but okay. I, but I, I could see it taking uh, something else on. Maybe let's start with that one, shall we? Yeah. All right. So now that we've gone through our deep cut side, we've got one potential song that could bump uh, one of those tunes. Uh, let, let's see if you guys have uh, heard it. I'm just going to play a little snippet of it here. thing toys in the attic from 1975's toys in the attic never technically released as a single it was released as the b-side of you see me crying the last track from this record this is the first cut from this record it's one of their most recognizable it's one of their most played just looking at setlist.fm it's got it right now 1046 times played live toys in the attic it's got to be on the deep cut side, doesn't it, gentlemen? It's got to be, man. I mean, it's quintessential Aerosmith. And I know that I remember that because you did the live version. Yes. I think, Scott, you were saying that it was a, it got a bit repetitive. And it is. It's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But that riff, I mean, come on. How do you not? And that bass line is insane. It's so good. Well, I am a fan of a good Aerosmith bass line, as those who have been listening might have noticed. I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. The uh, the thing with this song, especially when I think of when I started collecting vinyl again, this was one of the first albums that I got because this my collection without this album is barren. <laughs> Even if I have 30 other albums, this has got to be in there. And uh, I've listened to the the vinyl many times. There's something about this album that connects with a certain time period, which obviously the nostalgia factor helps. But I fell in love with this album from the first few notes of Toys in the Attic. All right. So um, I'm going to tell you right now, um, it needs to be on this mixtape. Uh, I see three tracks from Permanent Vacation, which is a great, great record. But I could easily see us taking one off. So uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to kick the conversation off. I'm looking at songs like Simariah and Hard Stun Time. Even Girl Keeps Coming Apart, for that matter. Like, I really like all three, but we're talking about Toys in the Attic. When you're talking about taking off Rats, uh, first of all, Rats is a great tune, and I might uh, play a little bit uh, underneath there as we're chatting. It's also the only song we have on here from Rocks, hmm. which is one of their all-time best records. So yeah, that's, sure. that's a, a tough sell for me to take off. Here, let's, let's play a little Rats. That is just stank personified. Yeah, you can't take it off. You like. <laughs> well, let me say this too. Just because I didn't, I didn't enjoy the song as much as I enjoyed the others, does not necessarily mean it doesn't belong on the mixtape. There's a difference between me liking the song versus it being a good representation of Aerosmith. Right. And if I'm so, and obviously this is you guys' decision, but it, and obviously I'll be the final arbiter if we need to. If we need to break a tie, but for me. Girl Keeps Coming Apart is the weakest of the three Toys tracks, but Simaria is the one that sounds the most like Toys. So if you're trying to be representative, it's got the same kind of rhythm, 
same kind of tempo. So it's like, ah, fuck, I think yeah. you might have to go with Samurai, but... That's a pretty good argument, Kevin. You've also got a cover on this side, though, right now. We do, yeah. I, I almost feel like we need one, though, because Aerosmith's a big cover band, and they're a great cover band. Yeah. And and Roadrunner, first of all, it's from Bobo, which I love honking on Bobo. Uh, there, are there better ones from that record? Maybe. Uh, I really like uh, um, Baby Please Don't Go. We played a little snippet here before we started recording tonight just for audio effect. It's like, oh, man, that's killer. I'm like, yeah, no, it's just honking on Bobo. That's so, Sunny and Cher I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you Got a Move is another one I absolutely love. Uh, from Honkin' on Bobo, good up-tempo rocker. But um, we, we kind of landed on Roadrunner, uh, at least so far, from our journey through Honkin' on Bobo. I like having a cover, and I like having, yeah. like, an old blue standard cover, and especially something from Bobo, because that's the album where it says, oh, forget it. Forget it. That, that, that's their stupid blues thing they did. We can skip that one. Kevin was talking about that. You, don't, you, you shouldn't skip this one. There's some good tracks on there. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I would fight to keep uh, Roadrunner, uh, but I, I'd be fine with a Samaria or a Girl Keeps Coming Apart. And I can play yeah. a little bit for you too, Scott, if you want to listen to a little bit of one of those. I know those songs pretty well. Um, I think Kevin makes a great argument about Simariah being a similar song. Um, I think I think I might agree that Girl Keeps Coming Apart might be the weakest, which does not mean it's a weak song, but no. of the selections that we have. Because yeah. uh, remember, the competition is stiff. But I think there's something about just the tempo and the power and the variety in that song, kind of the spoken word a little bit, that uh, that makes it the tape a little more well-rounded. So I would I would have to say uh, I would vote Simaria. I'd be okay with that. There you go. It's official. Toys and to be so difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, good thing we brought a judge along, where you're just going to concede every <laughs> point. But it's even the point that judge made for crying out loud. But the worst, like Hard Stun Time is a great opener. You, you have that fantastic, and you have a great Stephen scream, and the, you know, the big drums, the big guitars, uh, classic Stephen lyrics. And that's kind of why I wanted to keep Girl Keeps Coming Apart, too, because it, it's kind of got some classic Stevenisms in there. Mm-hmm. My ace the hole, so to speak, if you want to. So, yeah, uh, and, and it's it's got the harmonica in there, which is nice, too, because yeah. that's something that they do from time to time. I, I just think that, that that shows some well-roundedness. Absolutely. So if we keep the sequencing as it is right now, it's actually pretty decent. We start with Hearthstone Time, and then Roadrunner, and then No More, No More, then Girl Keeps Coming Apart, and then Bone to Bone, The Farm, Toys in the Attic leads right into Rats in the Cellar, which is the way God intended, and then finishing off the combination. Right? Pretty good uh, sequencing. I don't even think we have to touch uh, side eight anymore. I think that sucker's done. The only I, thing I would, the only thing I'd just throw out to you guys to have just a quick discussion about maybe is that I think The Farm would be a pretty good closer too, just because yeah. of that lead out it's a it's a bit more of an album end because combinations well i suppose combinations got that big push at the end as well yeah. i don't know, I think i've just talked myself out of it <laughs> i see your well point done, though Kevin. i see your point and the farm is kind of almost a self-referential too right so uh it, it'd be like ending on amazing if, if we're doing the, the single sided amazing was on there right that's kind of the the big ending there amazing isn't one of the songs we're considering uh for the all-time Aerosmith top nine uh interestingly enough but uh, what okay. what do you think, Scott? We didn't get to that one, did we? No, we never did do amazing. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think uh, the only other thing I I was thinking was maybe putting Toys in the Attic as the opener because I think that also works. But uh, I think Hearts Done Time is good. I would I would say if this were a live show, I would probably open with Toys because it just kicks in with all that energy. 
but for a record or mixtape, uh, I think Hard Stun Time is a good uh, good warm up. I, I I agree. If it was a live show, I agree. Toys is the better opener. Uh, yeah. And Hard Stun Time. Maybe if you're coming off like a, a slow song, th- then you go into Hard Stun Time as kind of the build mm-hmm. into like the final third of the concert. Yeah. Hearts opens vacation though, right? It does. Yeah. That opens the album, doesn't yep. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but it I, just doesn't have that kick that Toys does. Yeah. But but again, but when you're talking mixtape versus live show, you've got completely different uh, things that you can do. Live, you have to kick it off. I mean, you just have to. You have to get the crowd going and all that. Uh, but here, yeah, I think uh, I think Hearts Done Time is a fine opener. There you have it. So that's our side A, the deep cut side is all completed here. And I'm sure uh, the two or three people who actually enjoyed the show are screaming at their podcast player right now. What about this one? What about that one? Yeah, there's a hundred we could have done uh, that, that could have potentially gone there. Uh, I know, uh, I think Michael was saying, uh, it was one of the permanent vacation songs. Was it, uh, it wasn't Hangman, but it was something like Ragdoll. No, it wasn't Ragdoll. What the hell was he talking about? He said he never would leave his mixtape. He was just. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, forgive me for doing no research and not remembering what which song that was, but. I know in John's case, it'd be Hangman Jury. He'd say there's no way Hangman Jury ever leaves any mixtape ever because he loves that tune. It's, that's a tough one because that really, I mean, talk about well-rounded. Oh. Um, that song is really a different side of the band, but it, it just feels so good. It's it's like family getting together on a Sunday afternoon, barbecuing and just sitting around, you know, tapping on whatever's available. That's just a, That song is just a good time about a really sad story. Yeah, you know what, if we do anything, hopefully it's uh, send some more people towards permanent vacation. Because top to bottom, it's a really, really great record. And I was yeah. just going to say to you, Corey, you've, you ended up with three vacation songs on side A. And I do think that, you, Scott, you just said with Hangman Jury, that is a really, I mean, there's a, there is a through line through all of it. And the aesthetic, the production wise, it sounds consistent, but the music itself is really eclectic and diverse on that record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the one we didn't do on here that John Mariano was dying to was St. John, because he kind of adopted oh, yeah. that as his theme song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And a, a, another great, absolutely great song. I mean, there is not a loser on Permanent Vacation, as far as I'm concerned. There, there's no filler. Every track is a great track on that album. Yep, and I'm pretty sure no, I just, just remember. Just that last song, right? Yeah, just that, that last song. Movie, right. yeah, very forgettable, <laughs> but uh, Magic Touch, Snowbound? I think, was my, Michael Green's song, Magic Touch. That was the one he liked. Oh, Amazing. Magic Touch, yeah. yeah. Yes, another one. I mean that, and that we've said many times on the show was a big concern that that the whole tape was going to end up half permanent vacation, and it easily could because it's such a stunning album. But there's so much more that they did that was really good too. I mean, it's it's tough when you've got a, a catalog that's this diverse and has some real winners on pretty much every album. And now we're going to come to the impossible part of the evening, and that we're going to talk about the all-time top nine that we're building here. And we're going to talk about six potential tracks that need consideration to go on it. Currently on the all-time arrow top nine, we have let the music do the talking, chip away the stone, the other side home tonight, back in the saddle, eat the rich mommakin fever and love in an elevator. So we got a lot of older Aerosmith on there. Uh, only a few, or sorry, a lot of, uh, sorry, a lot of newer Aerosmith on there. Only a few older songs. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Uh, Kevin, you're, you're kind of the, uh, the MC of the evening. Uh, did you just want to kind of ping pong back and forth between me and Scott? We'll play a little snippet and we'll just start yakking. Yeah, let's do that. That's a great way of doing it, I think, Corey. All right, who do you want to go first? Let's have Scott go first because he's the non-nerd. 
<laughs> or the, the less, let's say the less. My mom says I'm cool. <laughs> Your mom says I'm cool, Scott. Why have I got, I'm now I'm taking on Corey's mantle on this podcast. I'm, See I'm not what that this guy. show does to you, Kevin? <laughs> Uh, well, let's, uh, I'll just, uh, start with, I mean, oh, they're all heavy hitters. So let's start with that. Uh, let's go with dream on. I mean, one of the most classic and well-known Aerosmith songs that there ever has been. All right. Uh, dream on their second most played song live 1,702 times. Let's check out a little wow. bit. Wow. Stone Magazine said this was the 172nd uh, greatest song of all time in 2004. Hard to argue, although this isn't my favorite version of Dream On. That is still the uh, Aerosmith slash Michael Kamen collaboration that's on the Last Action Hero soundtrack, the live version with the orchestra. That thing is just powerful. It is so good, but there, there's no denying Dream On. It's, it's one of the greatest uh, rock ballads of all time. I, how do you arrive at 172? I, I, they're just such arbitrary numbers when they do those polls. Um, I just, I, I don't know if I've ever noticed in the song. I've probably heard it just blended in, but I don't know that I specifically ever noticed the Mellotron that we hear in the in the beginning going along with this, the guitars. Um, that's really a nice touch. I love the note hanging in the air at the beginning. Um, I love uh, just the feeling of the song and it, it's just such a powerful build with the drums when they come in and it, it's really it, it feels like an anthem more than it, anything yeah. else to me it is an anthem it's funny you mentioned uh, 173 seemed arbitrary well I was in 2004 I'm just looking it was moved to number 173 in 2010 and then re-ranked at number 199 in 2021 so it's falling down the list somehow well, it's a good thing that we did this show so we could put it back in the limelight. Exactly. <laughs> uh, inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Uh, it's surpassed 1 billion streams on Spotify. Wow. Uh, if we're looking at our all-time Aerosmith top nine, Scott, uh, do you think there's maybe a place for Dream On? How, how do you not? I mean, with those numbers, um, how does it not go on the ultimate tape? You know, and that's one thing we never really considered when we've been doing the show in our rankings is we're we're just looking at our opinions, but we've never looked at the polls and, and things to, to say, you know, if it's if it's listed as the number one Aerosmith song of all time, how do we not put it on the tape? That's never been our consideration. Yeah. I just think it's it's such an anthem, it's such a powerful song, obviously a huge hit for the band. How does this not represent them in, in some way? So yeah, I think it has to go on there. All right, so what does it take off? Let's again go through the list. Let the music do the talking. Chip away the stone. The other side. Home tonight. Back in the saddle. Eat the rich. Mama kin. Fever. And loving an elevator. I started first, uh, Scott, last time. Why don't you start first this time? What would you uh, recommend we take off for Dream On? 
Well, I will say Dream On is not my favorite Aerosmith song. And I think I, I love it, but I think part of that is just a matter of it's been overplayed for me. So I I still appreciate the song and I still love it, but it's not a favorite of mine. Um, I I have a hard time saying it's better than anything else, but I would probably consider... I would probably consider maybe Eat the Rich. Ooh. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's going to be a popular opinion, but thank God we have a, a judge. <laughs> well, uh, And no shock button like Bill Murray and Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not mad at that suggestion. I, I was thinking a ballad for a ballad almost. We have Home Tonight on there, which a great, great ballad, right? But compare it to Dream On in really any metric lyrically musically in you know social conscience on the rolling stone list of the 500 greatest songs ever written uh in, in pretty much any metric you want uh home tonight versus dream on it, it, it's kind of a blowout isn't it yeah i'm i'm not uh I, i'm not going to deny that i think that's a very astute observation uh, I hate to kick it off the tape, but when you're comparing the two, you know, if if you put the two songs on the scale of Aerosmith, uh, Dream On's gonna just gonna outweigh everything, I think. God, and there goes another rock song. If we take Hot Home Tonight too, that's the album closer on that one. But uh... yeah, but you've got you know you you've got representation for rocks on. This is the thing with rocks, right? Rocks is a phenomenal album, but it's one of those where it, it's sort of it peaks and stays at the peak. It doesn't have peaks and troughs. It doesn't have that one song that you think, holy fuck, that defines Aerosmith. Where Dream On does. You, I mean, Dream On, you, you just cannot not, that have on a, not have that on a mixtape. It's just impossible, right? I think the closest song to what you're describing, Kevin, off rocks is probably Back in the Saddle, which we and, have on the mixtape. <laughs> and, and, you know, for me, that's my least favorite song on oh, the album. Wow, just, okay. Yeah, it's, which is, I mean, that's again, that you get a subjectivity there. But, mm -hmm. and I, so I, I would, sort of side with Corey on that one just because in terms of flow eat the rich and dream on are so very very different and also then you're sort of picking from the same era as well right yeah. you're sort of replacing an old for an old and you're replacing a ballad for a ballad that would make more sense to me um yeah. okay I, I i'm good with that but let me ask you kevin on back in, back in the saddle is that an overplayed issue for you or did you just not like that song just never been keen on the song i don't know what it is about it it's just never grabbed me there's something about it that's just never really yeah you know it's because you're Liverpoolian and you're you like skiffle groups with their tight trousers playing the Cavern I am, Club. I am not a Scouser, young man. I'm not Liverpoolian. I'm from <laughs> Wigan. You're also I'm a, not typecast. I'm a Red Sea pedestrian. I'm proud of it, Mum. Zoom tight. All right, so All we're right. going to take off uh, home tonight. We're going to put on Dream On. Get, uh, Scott, you're good with that one. I'm good with that. All right, so there we go. Uh, one song uh, already done. Uh, so I, I guess I got to pick one now, don't I? But you know, let me just say before we go forward. I think there's a difference between the way that we view the ultimate top nine versus the deep cuts, because the deep cuts would be the things where we would go for maybe album representation, whereas the the ultimate top nine, it just depends on what they released from those albums. It doesn't necessarily have to represent a cross section of albums as much as it does just the best of their hits. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very good point. And that's why one of the songs I wanted to consider here tonight, to me, sums up Aerosmith perfectly in that it's literally a song about a blowjob.
so broken hearted Love wasn't much of a friend of mine The tables have turned Yeah, I'm coffee and then where's that party? That kind of love was the killing kind So listen Maybe my favorite Steven Tyler vocal performance ever is oh. on this song. The harmonies are amazing. The band is killing it. Lyrically, it's fantastic. It's a song about a blowjob. It's like Walk This Way was a song about, you know, you ain't seen nothing till you down on the muffin. What the hell do you think that's about? That's ultimate Aerosmith to me, right? It, it, it's, it's a ballad without being a ballad. It's got a killer video. Everything about crying, for me, absolutely works. It also has the greatest like musically hard stop in any song ever and when we come to it i'm cranking the volume up so we could really fully appreciate it yeah even just hearing that intro again it, it really shows the talent in the band and i love the vocal layering on this song i think it's some of the best that he's done of the songs that i know and that we've covered on the show um i think it's it is a ballad but it also is a little bit more up tempo from a typ typical ballad so i feel like it's kind of halfway between a ballad and a rock song but i yeah i love this song i think it's one of their best and you want to talk about indicative of aerosmith like this is their most played get a grip song which was their biggest mm -hmm. record like well right yeah. up there i guess with with a couple but uh crying was played over 1000 times uh, he still he can't quite hit those notes like he used to be able to but it's still Still a powerful song. We got Joey Kramer on the kit. Like this is such a Joey song too, and and Tom's song like what the bass is doing, and and what Joe and Brad are doing with the guitars. This is this is Aerosmith in a nutshell, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm just gonna not not invoke the name core, but this is prime. It's like on another podcast when we where we talk about a specific drummer. When you talk about drum fills, where to put them, how to play them, <laughs> this fucking song is a masterclass. And they're all over the place. Masterclass. L listen to the solo. Yeah, he's he's definitely on the top of his game on this song. Oh, Gary man. Kramer is. Oh man. You gotta to think too when this came out that you know it's Aerosmith basically saying, Hey, Bon Jovi Poison, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, hold our fucking beer. This is how you do it, boys. <laughs> that kind of music, you're not doing it as well as this. Yeah. Come on. That's good stuff. That's Aerosmith, baby. Lightning in a bottle. That's crying. Scott, is this going on the mixtape? We even got harmonica. 
Well, it's your turn to argue, Corey. I'm arguing it's absolutely going on. It's just, what am I taking off? Yeah, that's the challenge. It, it's not that this song does not deserve a spot on there because it absolutely does. But where does it go? And you already have two songs from Get a Grip on there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I'm thinking about taking one of them off. Uh, I'm looking Is at Eat the Rich. On? Eat the Rich. <laughs> you wanted to take it off for Dream On? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about so Cry and Replace and Eat the Rich, Scott? Yeah, I I could see that. So you got Eat the Rich and Fever are the two get a grip tracks you have on there right now, yep. right? And Crying isn't like either of them. So you, you, either way, you're not taking like for like. So that becomes much less of a consideration. Yep. Um, what is it about Fever, Corey, that you like that more that you want to keep it on? Like just in terms of being representative of the version. It, it is so much more like fast paced, like more RPMs on that one. Like when it, it kicks off with like a, a tom bass note, it goes right into a boo doo 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 Like it's just big, 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 uh, all the way through. It, melodically, uh, it, it's it's fantastic. Again, lyrically, I got to rip in my pants and a hole in my brand new shoes. Hey, hi, we could all relate to that, right? Uh, Eat the rich. Uh, I totally get it. Uh, it's very good. Uh, there's only one thing that they're good for. It's very timely and all that kind of stuff. We have songs on here that are kind of in the vein of Eat the Rich, at least musically. Whereas uh, Fever, I don't think we do. The, the fact that it's kind of like, you know, it's like when ZZ Top on Eliminator said we're cranking up the RPMs to like 150, you know, let, let, let's make boogie music. That's boogie music. And, you know, we've got some good grooves on, on this side of the of the mixtape, but we don't have that, you know, that that really. And it wasn't one of their biggest singles either, which I yeah. kind of like having that on there because to me it's more indicative of the all eras of the band, even though it wasn't their biggest selling single. Like, uh, I think Eat the Rich probably even outcharted uh, uh, Fever back in the day, so. Uh, I'm going to stand by uh, Eat the Rich uh, going bye-bye and uh, crying going on the mixtape. What do you think, Scott? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I would also say crying doesn't happen without Tom Hamilton. The bass sound in the song is just amazing. You know, I get to give props to the bass because I, I just have to in this band. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And now so far, uh, we've each uh, presented a song or for the all-time Aerosmith Top 9. Both are on the mixtape. Uh, so not a lot of uh, debating to be had thus far, but now it's getting a lot tougher. Oh my Don't God, go away, guys, Kevin. I mean, no, you guys, <laughs> you're, you're in trouble here, boys. I, I looked at your list that you sent me, and Corey, I think you still have one up your sleeve that I don't know because you wanted to add the additional um, track, so I, I just don't know what you're going to do because I think I think Fever might still be at risk slightly. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know because you've got some massive songs coming down the pipe here. Yeah, that's very true. Scott, why mm. don't you uh, throw out one of those uh, massive songs right now? All right, I, I got to hit you guys with some Walk This Way. Never heard of it. What album's it on? <laughs> that must have been one of the 2000s, right, or something? Yeah, yeah it's, it, it was one of their newer songs. Um, this would be going all the way back to Toys in the Attic. Oh, right. The staple in my vinyl collection next to Genesis Abacab. <laughs> not, not literally next to it, because I have other songs in between, or other albums in between. But uh, yeah, this is um, this is a not again not my favorite song, but I think representing Aerosmith, it's got to be got to be looked at. All right, this is a little walk this way. Be a change in your way. 
All right, we all know the song. We, we don't have to play too much of it here. Walk This Way. Uh, let's see, on YouTube Music, it has 31 million plays. That's Jeez. pretty good. Yeah, uh, this, this is by far Aerosmith's most played song in concert. Anybody want to throw it a guess on a number? I won't play the Price is Right song, but uh, anybody want to throw it a guess? So, Eight, 1850. 1850, okay. I'll go smidge low, because I don't know how many fucking shows they play. 1840. 1840, well, 1727, actually. Oh, wow. wow. You both would have went over, but. Played, I bet you, virtually every show since 1975. Because you have to. Yeah. yeah, you know what's interesting is listening to this uh, under these headphones, doing a more like slightly critical listen. I love how dry it sounds. Like the drums don't have a lot of reverb on them. You really hear that kick come through until yep. the band kicks in. Uh, I it just sounds great without massive production on it. You know what I really like too is that lately when they well ever since I've seen them do Walk This Way since like the Run DMC version, uh, Joey does a hat lift uh, d- during the verses. Mm-hmm. And it's it, you don't hear that as much here. It's a little bit, you know. It's more uh, it's more subtle. And I thought that yeah. was really good. You, you you still get you know the the little uh, flourishes he puts in, but the hat lift mm-hmm. isn't as big as it sometimes is. And I don't know. I kind of dig that a little bit more. Interesting. The hat lift in the, the hat lift though in the riff, the opening riff. That's what it's all yeah. about for me. It's just like oh my god, <laughs> that's so sexy. And that again, that bass is. It just sounds. It, it sounds like the bass of the gods. It's huge. Yep. And it's so good. Best riff. Joe Perry ever wrote, gotta be right. Maybe one of the best in rock history. One of those simple ones. Yeah. And Steven's lyrics. I mean, this is Steven being the most Steven he can be. Yeah. (laughs) Singing, hey, diddle, diddle with your kitty in the middle, and you're swinging like you just don't care. Absolutely. So (laughs) walk this way. Oh, boy. Oh, God. (laughs) This is your song. You get to nominate one to take off if you want walk this way on there. Okay, the problem I have is that I don't see how this doesn't go on the tape. It is their most played song. It's obviously the one that that uh, means the most to the band, or they think means the most to the fans. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in that position. So how do you not say this is not a song that deserves a spot on a tape representing the band? The problem is, where does it go? I don't think it should take the place of Fever, because I think that's a completely different song. So I'm really torn between Let the Music Do the Talking and Mama Kin for a spot. That's a big call. Wow. Okay. And I don't know how I pick either one, uh, to be honest. I, I really don't. Well, you picked the one I was kind of thinking, too, which is Mama Kin. We have a song from the original album in Dream On, which was kind of the reason for Mama Kin. Obviously, Mama Kin's iconic. But is it in terms of of Aerosmithdom? Like it was played eight hundred and fifty seven times. Big song for for the band, but bigger than than Walk This Way. I don't think so. But played less than half. Yeah, and and let let the music. I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose uh, to Scott's last song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I still want to play a little bit of it just so we can kind of get a refresher on it, but. What the audience couldn't see was the look on my face of shock when he said that. <laughs> so, and I, I hate loading this thing up with the biggest hits, but you got to have walk this way, right? Like, it's got to be. It's got to be there, boys. I mean, I think you'd have had a you would have had an insurrection from from me at least, if not everyone else who listens, if you hadn't put that on there. Because what else says Aerosmith other than you know? I mean, if you were to pick three, you could easily pick Dream On, Walk This Way, and f- fucking Crying. Yeah, and that's as good an EP as you 
probably, or maybe loving it while living in an elevator. Uh, or maybe back in the side, it's like, oh, Christ, this band is too good. <laughs> well, that that becomes a challenge when you're working with a band that has this vast of a catalog. And, and you probably see this too, Kevin, with the Tom Petty Project. If you were doing a rating system like this, how would you even go about it? He's he's a huge catalog. Yeah, it's tough, right? And like you said, I mean, you, what I like about what you're doing, though, is you're not saying these, you're not necessarily saying, well, this is the top top nine songs. It's representative of the band, and then you're picking songs to try and show the breadth and everything else, right? So in terms of Marmakin, it's like, yeah, I think you're probably right. You know, it's not what I would have, not what I would have thought before we started the show. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it, you know, I would say that there are three songs on here that I would put, I would say, well, it's, well, five songs on here that I think Walk This Way is a better song than but if you're being represented, then you got to keep, you know, you got to keep that breath. Yeah. Out of curiosity, Kevin, which one would you have picked? I think Chip Away. Again, really? it's a similar era. Again, Chip Away is not my favorite Aerosmith song. But then I, I think, like I said, I mean, and I love Mammakin. I've just always had an attached to Mammakin. But again, I think you've made the right decision. I think you, you're replacing... And then like with like a little bit, or certainly in terms of stature and everything else, and in terms of being representative of the band, I think they both fit the same space. So I think you probably made the right choice. Fucking Liverpudlian. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Corey, that makes it your turn, doesn't it? I'm going to go a little different with this one. Uh, this isn't mm. uh, the band's biggest hit. Uh, it's on pretty much all their greatest hits, all 33 of them or however many we're, we're at here. <laughs> um, to me, the, the, the everything I love about Aerosmith is kind of in this tune. You got a very strong backbeat. You got great guitar interplay, and you got classic Steven Tyler. Uh, this is a little tune called "Draw the Line." So I, see, I saw Scott light up a little bit because he's never heard the song, but you hear it every week because we yeah. we cribbed the beginning for the intro to our show. But what version are we using for the show if this is the original version? Just the karaoke, the lyricless version of Draw the Line. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Um, I like, I like it. Um, I don't know if I like the fact that the song doesn't really change until... Oh, it does later but i mean like it just it just opens and then it just keeps doing that and steven starts singing i mean i guess that's okay but it it kind of it wears on me a little bit well uh, nowadays especially live you know uh, joe brings on a theremin like they 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 have this kind of breakdown section coming up here after this uh verse here Uh, i'll I'll bring it up when when it comes up but there there is kind of a breakdown section actually uh for anybody out there who got the uh, woodstock 94 uh double uh cassette compilation uh, they, they took like one song from every band's acts for Aerosmith they took Draw the Line but in the middle of Draw the Line they broke off into F.I.N.E. Fine from Pump 
and then it came oh, back and it draw the line. Nice. It was really, which, really cool. Which we never got to. It was on our dice. With that version, was it, was it on our dice? Uh, no, just FIA Fine. Yeah, just FIA Fine, which yeah. uh, if I'm doing the Corey Spotify playlist, FIA Fine is on that list 10 times All out of 10. But yeah. and, and for those of you who are wondering about Woodstock, uh, Aerosmith was not around at the time of the original, like Jimi Hendrix Woodstock, but they still had three best of albums out. That's right. <laughs> so here, here's kind of that breakdown section. And then classic Steven uh, screaming on the lyrics, checkmate, don't be late, take another poll. But even the breakdown is still using that same format. The you know, the, the same riff yeah. just sounds a little bit differently. I don't do you, I don't really know the song. Do you feel it gets a little monotonous at points? This version is what I'll say, because the, I'm, I'm used to now hearing this song on live records uh, more than I am on uh, Draw the Line, the LP. So I'm not mm -hmm. the biggest fan of that record. So I don't listen to the, the album version as much, but mm -hmm. I, I listen to it live quite a bit. And, and the, that breakdown is usually a lot longer. There's a lot more to it. Uh, th this version is only 3 minutes, 25 seconds. Uh, it, it comes and goes pretty quick. It's already over here now. So, um, Oh, wow. Yeah. I if we were still still doing live cuts, I think Draw the Line makes it on the live side every single time. Because I bet you there's a live version you're going to like. But the recorded version, I'm not so sure. Okay. So do I you feel it deserves a spot on the final mixtape? Let me just interject something real quick before you guys make a decision here. I don't know, looking down the list here, Corey, I've been trying to hum them in my head, which is difficult when you listen to a different song. Do you have another song on the mixtape with um, Joe Perry really sliding? Really sliding? Like this, where it's in the riff and it's the slides front and center and it's kind of this, the riff or the lick is kind of about the slide is what makes it. Uh, Chip Away of the Stone is kind of that. Is that slide, though, on Chip of the Way? I'll have to listen to it again. Why don't, why don't we play it a little bit? Well, we should do that. Fine. Okay, we'll do There's a couple of bends in the chorus that sound like they could have been slide, yeah. but it's definitely got that feel. And now that I'm playing this, I got to be honest, I like everything about Chip Away better than I do Draw the Line. So, 
<laughs> Can I retract my previous comments about Chip Away the Storm? I, I, I was, I, that song's a fucking banger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's, god, it's good. It's just—it's got the energy to it. And am I hearing some piano? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Good honky tonk yeah. piano, absolutely. Yeah. Ripping piano, yeah. Yeah, this is just a badass song. It, it really 100%. is. 100%. Even a rock will crumble if you stack it night and day. Like, lyrically, it's fantastic. <laughs> like, oh. Okay, well, draw the line, boys. What are you thinking? Is it is it making it? Is it the what is it the first one out of your new list that doesn't make it? Let's say this: if you were forced, hand up your back to put this on the the um, the B side for something else, what would you pick? And then we can debate what you're going to do. <laughs> um, artichoke. Yeah, choke is a great safe word. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's new to this whole thing. He, he's not the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott. That's true. Yeah, it's uh, pretty wild over here on a Friday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night <laughs> or afternoon. Um, let's just say Costco baby oil is a is a high priority on my grocery list. Um, I I don't I don't feel it. I, I I mean it's it's your call, Corey, to see if you really think it it belongs. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Again, if we were still doing the live side, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I can point out three live versions of Draw the Line that'll blow your socks off. But the, the LP version is not as tight, is not as good. As a song, it's really, really well constructed. It's a great song, fantastic live song. But uh, I would say uh, no, because there's really only one other song currently on the all-time top nine that I'm kind of okay getting rid of, and I got two songs I want to put on there. So <laughs> Let me ask you this then. Um. Is, and I mean, you've already made your decision, but this is just a kind of a little follow-up then. Is Draw the Line kind of the same space as Back in the Saddle? That's, to me, those two songs kind of sit in roughly the same space where they're indicative of a certain era, and they kind of have a fairly, not a similar sound, but they, to me, they've always, they're bedfellows to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I kind of put Chip away in that category, too. Right around kind yeah. of the same time, too, so. I just don't think it has the the energy or the, you know, the real drive to it that um, that Chip Away does. There, there, enough, so there we go. Yeah. Draw the line that does not make the mixtape. I mean, There's the, the karaoke version was better, I think, <laughs> than the, the studio version for me. All right, Scott. Well, you got one more. I do. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, Another another representative of a uh, you know if you if you come visit me in my home this is what you're gonna get you're gonna get some sweet emotion. Oh, I was gonna play Sheila. <laughs> Sheila doesn't get shit. Has the Splenda packet ever sounded so nice? I mean, really. Broken vibrant slap. <laughs> That's right. Joey Kramer's the king of the hat lifts. There's another iconic really one. Is. Sure on. is. And, and how about that Tom Hamilton? Oh. Yeah, he's all right. Let me ask, let me ask you guys this. <laughs> this might be, or it definitely is one of the all-time great rock song intros. 
is it the best bass intro to a song ever? What, what, do you, what do you put it up against? Under Pressure, maybe? Under Pressure, maybe. Maybe, but I like this song better than I do Under Pressure. No offense to the Queen guy on the call. I, <laughs> I still do love Under Pressure, but... Crash Course in Brain Surgery, the Metallica cover? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it. Best bass yeah, intro of all time? It, it's, it gets my vote. Uh, yeah, and, it, and it's not just the way it's played. It's the whole sound of it. It just It's so smooth. It's got the bass tone, but without the edge to it. I mean, it's just, that had to be finger played. I, I don't see that being played with a pick. And the, and like Joey's playing on the twos and fours, not the ones and threes. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of gives it just that extra like kick in the ass, don't it? It does. And I love that they left the broken vibra slap sound in. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that really adds something to the song because it could get really monotonous if they just keep hitting the vibra slap. And seriously, a, a sugar packet as a shaker, I don't know exactly <laughs> how he was holding it, but I would never imagine you could get that much shake out of a sugar packet. <laughs> well, there's an experiment. You know what? If you're, Steven, to if you're Steven Tyler, you can get that much shake out of anything, baby. Hey, well said, well said. All right. Sweet emotion. Come on, boys. I mean, everything you love about Aerosmith in one tune? Absolutely. Deserving of a spot on the Aerosmith all-time top nine? I think absolutely. Scott, this was your pick. If you're going to want to put it on there, what are you nominating to take off? Do we have an option for pass? No. <laughs> It's it's tough I because decline. I don't I don't know what it compares to you know I don't like category wise if we're looking at replacing like with like I don't know what we have on here that would really go quite with it and I'm left with and not to, not to pick on it Corey because I don't I don't mean to but I don't think cry and walk this way fever love in an elevator I don't think any of those other songs come close and that leaves me with the only other option would be let the music do the talking and i'm not sure it's really replaces that i think the problem you're going to run into there scott is that you can't replace light with light with this song yeah yeah with, with the with the songs you have that you, you're not looking at that anymore because it just it's its own thing right okay so let's look at can, can we look at statistics for this one because i think it might come down to that for me okay well the statistics aren't even close if you're talking about how many times they played it live yeah yeah sweet emotion uh 1,686. <laughs> is that their third highest or fourth highest, probably? Uh, that is their third highest. Okay. Let the music do the talking, 253. Interesting. You know what? I'll, I'll even play you a little bit of, of Let the Music, just so you can kind of Yeah, please. There's your slide. There you go, yeah. Joe and Joey are so good on this one, though. <laughs> they really are. I don't know, guys. I don't, I don't know where it should go. The only other thing I can think of would be the other side. It's a slower song, though. It's, it's, are we going trying to find more well-rounded? I'm not sure this song gives... Well, it kind of does, though, because it's kind of rapish. It's, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know where to put it, honestly. 
let me throw this in for you, Scott, and Corey, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I think you've now got two songs on this side that do occupy roughly the same space and like the music and fever. Yep. Now you've got that tempo. Either one of those songs kind of does the same job on this side. Yep. That was my exact thought. Listening to this again, it's like this, this is the same tempo almost as fever. So they're, they're, they're kind of doing the same job. They're both incredibly indicative of the band. They both rock like fucking hell. Like it's such a great tune. Yeah. I know John always busted my ball. Oh, this is a cover. It was Joe Perry song. Joe Perry's an Aerosmith. Joe Perry wrote half the songs on this list. So come on. And honestly, it was probably suggested as an Aerosmith song. And they said, no, we don't want to do that. And he did it on his own. And they're like, yeah, let's throw that in the live set. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, yeah, and then when they got sober, like, hey, that was a good song. Let's just cut that for Done With Mirrors. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So then the question would be, would we want Let the Music Do the Talking or Fever? All right. Well, we got a good taste of uh, Let the Music. Uh, why don't we play a little Fever? We're just going to play Aerosmith all night, boys, and we're going to be happy to do it. Well, it is an Aerosmith show. I guess, for the time being. Here we go. That's fever. I got to rip in my I, pants. You guys didn't see it, but I did finger guns. In that, I, I saw in it. That song. <laughs> I saw it. Um, okay, so here's here's the thing. It definitely has a better beat. I love that Hollywood Night sort of uh, drum beat that it has. That's really cool. I think the energy is a little bit better in this one than Let the Music Do the Talking. I don't like the haze. I'm never a fan of when bands do that. But uh, overall, I think... I think it's a little bit better than Let the Music Do the Talking. What do you think? Yeah, they're both pretty good to my eyes. I don't know. I would maybe be okay with up... taking off Let the Music for Sweet Emotion, though. Yeah, because I think maybe it comes down to production, Corey. Like, what would you, cause, I mean, between Let the Music and Fever, that's not really a fair fight in terms of production, right? Ted Templeman did uh, Let the Music, though. He's my boy. He did, but... Bruce Fairbairn. <laughs> He's good, too. All well, right. do you think Fever should go, honestly? No, I can't really make a, a case for either of them to go. So, <laughs> well, we'll just go with the original before I well, change my mind again. Well, wait a minute, though. Does do you think that Sweet Emotion should not go on the tape? No, I do not. It 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 should go on the tape. Oh, okay. Yes, <laughs> it's like your your double negatives are confusing me here. Well, you're the one. Do you think it should not go on the tape? And I said, no, I do not. I do not think it should not go on the tape. <laughs> I don't think it should not not go on the tape. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna vote for Let the Music Do the Talking because I think I think Fever is a slightly better song with that drum beat. I think it's got a little bit more energy than Let the Music Do the Talking. Although that is a great song. Um I think I think I would give the nod to to Fever Staying. What do you think? Yep, me too. Uh I'm I'm good with Fever Staying. Uh production wise, I, I will agree. It does sound better. Uh we get some harmonica in there. Um Steven, I think, is singing a little better. Uh, on uh, Fever than he was on uh, Let the Music. Uh, everything about it, oh, they're such great songs. They're they're both going to stay on my playlist, but yeah. Sweet Emotion is going to take the place of Let the Music Do the Talking. So currently, with one song left to go, we have Sweet Emotion, Chip Away the Stone, The Other Side, Dream On, Back in the Saddle, Crying, Walk This Way, Fever, and Love in an Elevator. 
So my audible pick tonight here, nobody knows this, uh, that I pick has been played 717 times. And I don't know, it means something to me. I remember cruising around Plentywood, Montana in 1989 with this cassette on repeat. And this song never failed to bring a tear to my eye. This is what it takes. It's got that country twang. It's got fantastic bass. Joey's killing it. One of the best uh, sounding guitar solos of this era. And a chorus that is just unreal. Here it comes. It's got a dulcimer. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's a breakup song. It's a tell me what it takes to let you go. It's about letting go of love. All the songs at this time, you guys will remember, was all about, you know, I love, blah, 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 love, love, love. Every hair metal band had a song about love. This is a song about fuck off, you're gone, how do I let you go? Tell me what it takes to let you go. Everybody has that girl before I met you, I I was F-I-N-E fine. An accordion in there as well, right? In the... Yeah, on well, the dulcimer in too. The right? yep. it's it's got a little, yeah, yeah. Okay. Spin me up like and money, like, and then you hung me out to dry. Who hasn't experienced that in their lives, gentlemen? Come on. Well, I think that's the thing. It's it's an incredibly relatable song, and that uh, that adds to the charm of it. Um, I also love the the sort of phased out guitar sound on the solo. I I think that's really good. I actually had this. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a brief time when they were doing single cassettes. Yes. Yeah. And I don't remember what was on the other side, but I got this tape and it was the extended version. So it, it was the one that just went on for like 72 minutes and uh, <laughs> it was great. Um, yeah, this is a brilliant pick, Corey. I have to say that's that was quite a surprise. Yeah, guitar solo is coming up. I just want to check this out. Oh, What a killer! What a killer drum fill coming out of that. Too. I know, it's right? Overplayed, just very simple. You know. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, Joe Perry said the song was just you know nice chords and nice changes until Bruce Fairburn put an accordion on it. Then it was like, that's yeah. it. <laughs> it just lifts it, and like you said, that guitar tone in the solo. Again, it's one of those you think. I think you kind of got to show that side of Joe as well. Yep. You know, like you need to show that he wasn't just a blues. You know, that that Fender overdriven or sorry gibson overdriven thing right so yep. right yeah so Corey, <laughs> the uh the challenge lies 
on yeah. your plate now. Uh, what's your favorite song? Let's take off that one. <laughs> the movie isn't on this playlist, I don't think. It wasn't released as a single, so. No, that's true. It's not on any playlist. Oh. <laughs> and we have uh, two, right, I, two I, Pump songs. Vinyl now. We got two from Pump. But I, 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 I can't, I don't want to lose either. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it, boys. Because, I mean, the only one that you could put in sort of the same space is Crying. Because it's a power ballad. And, you know, I hate that stupid word. But, right. Because Dream On's got to stay. So crying's the only one if you're going to switch light for light, but you just put crying on. Oh, I don't know, boys. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a suggestion. It's All our right. final show. We can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> what if we extend the all-time top nine to the all-time top ten? So we're saying that one of these songs, and actually a couple of them, are probably short enough that we could maybe squeeze a tenth on there. I think so. Well, with a cassette, you can extend it. You just put more tape in there. <laughs> Is that all you got to do? That's how they used to do it. Because remember, you used to get like 15, 30, 60, and 90, and then they went up to 120, so they were an hour aside. That's right, yeah. I had loads yeah. of Memorex 120s. Come on. <laughs> right, yep. I had the Kmart ones with the, the 60s, I think, were blue, and the 90s were red, and I don't remember what the 120s were. But yeah, I mean, that's that was the beauty of cassettes, was that they were the format you could get the most on. That is true. It is our show. It is the last show. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not going to falter for that. And we even get the the hidden track too. And you guys, you guys brought me in as the sort of the independent adjudicator, and I, I'm going to say that this is permissible. This this is within the <laughs> rules. This with it's within the law of the show. I think you can do it. You've changed formats quite regularly, so I. That is know. true. That is true. Yeah, we were doing live cuts at one point. We were doing. I mean, you know, we hadn't gotten to covers yet, but I'm sure we would have. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough for its own side, actually. Like, oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, you get this wonderful little piece of music at the end of it too. I mean, come on. Love it. <laughs> Dulcimer yeah, Stomp, this, right? This Stomp was fit. before. Uh, oh, this is Rain Song, then, right? Yep. Yeah, this is Reed is Song. It? Okay, but now I think we have another problem. Oh, good. I love problems. Uh-oh. Yeah, because we can't end the show without one more problem. <laughs> what do we think of the order of the all time top 10? All right. Well, what would be the ultimate opener? The no brainer to me, boys, but I'll let you comment first. Uh, to me, it is too. It's back in the saddle. They they've opened majority of their shows yeah. uh, yep. since that that track came out. So that that baseline alone deserves deserves the opening. I mean, talk about stank. That is just gritty, and that's amazing. And put some stank on it. That's right. <laughs> there you go. All right. So uh, if we open with back in the saddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we, we want to hit with another big one right off the hop? Got to go up tempo, obviously. Other side kind of fits that that mold. Well, if you have dulcimer stomp, maybe not. If you just have the other side, you kick him with the mm 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 part right after yeah. back in the saddle. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love loving an elevator would be a great yeah. second track. Yeah, just blow their balls off. I, I was going to think of third track for that one, but I, I could be talked into second track. Yeah, I think Love in an Elevator would be a good second. All right. Uh, then then what's third? Well, typically you would bring it down on a third song, right? So maybe Crying would yeah. be next. Crying is a good, and they love doing that early in their set. So that that's kind mm-hmm. of a good spot for that one. So coming out of Crying. 
Do you go a little more obscure? Do you go with like Chip Away there or Fever? I go with, I go with Fever. Okay. That'll get people, you know, kind of up and rocking again. Yeah. And it's then maybe the... from there, so you've got you've got the get a grip interlude now too, right? It's always nice when you have like two songs from the same album sequenced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should pick what the last song should be and take that out of the running. Like, how do we want to end it? I think what it takes might be the way to do it. Either that one or dream on, or the the only the two clauses I think are what it takes and dream on that that you have. Yeah, I kind of like what it takes as, as yeah. a closer. Okay. And then Dream On, yeah, you, you put like a, a rocker or two in between Dream On and what it takes. So mm -hmm. the, the so you maybe go, maybe go like Sweetie and then Dream On and then Walk This Way and then what it takes? Yeah, that could work. Okay, Sweetie. so we've got Ship Away in the other side now to figure out. So coming out of Fever, I think the other side would be good going into Chip Away, going into Sweet Emotion. Great call, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. That was much easier to sequence than I thought it would be, actually. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah. So I our all-time Aerosmith. Listen this. I want to listen to this in this sequence. Like. <laughs> Seriously. And, but we'll do that on our next. Oh, no, we won't. No, we're done. We're done. <laughs> listen to it on your own time, motherfucker. No, so we can start with Back in the Saddle, then Loved in Elevator, then Crying. Perfect one, two, three punch. Uh, we're then we go really really up tempo on four. That's my only thing. Is, is may, maybe if you want to flip uh, Fever and, and Chip Away. Chip Away is a little more of a groove. Or Fever on the other side, maybe even if you went that way. Yeah, potentially. Because then you've got Fever's feeding into Chip Away. You've got Rock, and you're still feeding into Rock, but it's just swung a bit more. Yeah. Kind of like it in four two though. Kind of like it where it is. <laughs> we just had to have another tough decision to end the show. It's this has been the biggest challenge I think I've had on on any podcast is just trying to figure out what is better than what as far as representation. Not that they're better or worse songs, but just as far as like well-rounded overall representation goes. This exactly. show's been a real challenge. Yeah. I always kind of look at things as like a set list too. So if you're doing like a 10 song concert and say mm -hmm. Sweet E was uh, Sweet Emotion was going to be your kickoff into the encore of a Sweet Emotion, Dream On, Walk This Way, what it takes. Do you want a stronger closer than Chip Away? I would say no. I think ending it on a good, powerful track like that would be the way to go. Or is Sweet Emotion your regular set closer then? And then you come back in with Dream On. Because that works too. Yeah. Yeah, if you're doing a festival yeah. set, yeah. if it's only yeah. 10 songs. Yep. Three song encore, that makes sense. I think start that's pretty good. Uncle, and start your encore with Dream On. Dude, that's epic. <laughs> oh, that's you get, just showing off. Steven walks out to the thrust, and the piano comes up from the from the uh, thrust. And that was my, I, when I saw him in Minot, they did that. And he, he was playing away, and he started playing, I think he played a bit of Home Tonight, actually, or something like that. And then he went into Dream On. And then Joe comes out and he steps somewhat out of the top of the piano and that's where he does the uh, the solo from. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I like it. All yeah, right. I think we've I think we've got a good tape. There we go. The all-time Aerosmith top ten has decided here tonight. Uh back in the saddle, loving an elevator, crying, fever, the other side, chip away, sweet emotion, dream on, walk this way, and what it takes. 
so that that did it boys we're done we have our mixtape wow can they can they at least walk out to the stage while they play the movie <laughs> they can walk off well i guess yeah they, they, they can't really walk off because they, they could be playing that little instrumental at the end of what it takes so that's right. Well, when they when they did the movie, weren't isn't that how they came out to the stage? Is that that was playing just through the PA? Uh, it was either be, uh, when they were walking out, their walkout song, or their walk off song was the movie. I can't remember which. I think it was coming on. Okay, if I remember, I right. think so too. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's that rings true for me. Mm-hmm. I was looking too, Corey. You guys have done something cool too. Maybe you know almost inadvertently because you've not been sort of taking this into account. You've really got the two ears, the two ears that matter. A various Smith lockdown. So you got five songs from the seventies and five songs from the eighties <laughs> slash nineties oh. with Get a Grip, right? So yeah, which is awesome. And none from the two thousands. Well, that that's too bad. Where where is where's, Shucks, where's Pink? Where, where's Just Push Play? I know where oh. Pink is. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite crayon. That's where it is. <laughs> Such a weird lyric. Well, I I have to say, Corey, it's been uh, a pleasure doing the show with you i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed learning about aerosmith um we've made some tough calls but i think at the end of the day i think we really set out to do what we intended to do and like i said we could go through the rest of the catalog and nitpick this one's slightly better and this one goes but what we have right now is a fine representation if somebody came to me and said hey i know you know about aerosmith and i'd be like ha and then they would say, what songs would you listen to if you wanted to get into them? I would just give them this list. And I think it's very comprehensive. I think musically and sonically, I think it's got a good variety to it. I, I think this is a fine representation of the band. I absolutely do, too. And hopefully uh, Kevin agrees. And uh, I, I told you, Scott, uh, for the last few weeks, my enjoyment from this show wasn't doing this show. It was just podcasting with you. And I, I can tease that we may not be done uh, podcasting together. There might be something down the road. Who knows? Uh, there might. N- negotiations are, are ongoing. Uh, but uh, as for this journey with Aerosmith, we are now uh, finished. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of our uh, finished uh, mixtape here? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys did a fantastic job, seriously. I mean, I'm glad that you sort of did this t- to wrap up and to give, to give us fans a little bit of closure that you've brought in some of these songs like, you know, Walk This Way and Dream On and, and Sweet Emotion that you haven't talked about, the studio versions of them, because they're such huge songs. And like I said, I mean, they're almost those songs that they, def- they they do define the band in a lot of people's, in the public consciousness, and especially because, I mean, Sweet Emotion, how many movies has that fucking song been used in? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just everywhere. It's ubiquitous. So you've got to put that on there. So I think you've done a fantastic job. This is, this is uh, 19 songs now that... There's not a single one on here that I would ever skip if it came on. Um, I love, 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 love probably at least 90% of them. So big thumbs up from me. And thank you so much for inviting me to um, celebrate with you guys. It's been lovely hanging out as, as always. Always well, thank you. Pleasure, yes. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, you've been a great guest when you've appeared on the show before. You've been a great moderator on And the Podcast Will Rock. And I really appreciate you coming on at kind of the last minute to uh, to help us wrap this up. Yep, Kevin. Seven. Uh, I I showed Kevin kind of all the negative comments. He's like, "Ah, fuck him. Keep going." I'm like, "Well, we've already decided to stop." So, uh, <laughs> sorry, buddy. We're done. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I I just want to say again to all the people who have supported us and who've uh, you know been a part of the Twitter poll or shared the show or you know just listened. Uh, thank you all very much. It's it do, that does mean a lot to us. I don't want to undermine that. And um, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, one more time, uh, Scott Haskin. 
maybe let's tell these uh, folks that are still listening to us about the Deep Dive Podcasting Network and some of the great shows they're going to find on there. Do you mean great shows, Corey, like Ultimate Catalog Clash that you do with Kevin? What? No. Currently covering a uh, a segment of Metallica's catalog. I'm, you know, as we record this, uh, the third episode will come out tomorrow. I cannot wait to listen to it and see uh, how you guys continue on with the Black Album. That's been such an enjoyable journey for me, uh, even with all the Lars hatred. I kind of get it. Uh, but Corey, you also do And the Podcast Will Rock with one Mark Kameyer. And, uh, you know, Kevin and I have been lurking on that show from time to time. But Kevin, you have a couple of shows of your own. You have the Tom Petty Project and Seaside Pod Review that you do with Randy. I had Uriah Heap, the Magicians Podcast. John and Nate, as we mentioned earlier, do the Deep Purple Podcast. The Simple Man at Skinnered Reconsidered. Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts. Riot Sabbath, a bloody podcast. Paul, Joe, and David at In the Lap of the Pods. Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge. Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z. Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy podcast, who is on his like 97th final tour. Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. George and Hattie at the Judas Priest cast. Clay and Riot, North by South podcast. Greg and Jonathan at So Far, So Pod, So What? All about Megadeth. Quinn at And Volume for All, General Heavy Metal. Sav, Nick, Stephen, Mark at the Rock Roulette podcast. Ch uh, ba sit down for this one, guys. Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu. Chaz and Shats at Rush Rash. Chaz and Wolfie at Regarding Roger Waters. And of course, we have some friends outside of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Sean Geek and Fast Fred. Sean McGinnity was here not too long ago. We also have Eric at Booked on Rock, Ken Knapsack at Pop Rock and Radio, and the flagship of all deep dive music podcasts going on their millionth plus episode, Out of Thunder. That's right. And uh, please go check out scotthaskin.com. Uh, catch out all the stuff he's got going on there. He's an accomplished author, uh, composer, uh, amateur stripper, um, uh, soon to be professional <laughs> magician. I hear he's gone from amateur magician to professional. Uh, he, he's perfected that bit where you take uh, your, your fingers and your thumb, and you can separate it, uh, kind of like I'm doing here on the Zoom call, and uh, entertaining uh, Kevin Brown to, to no end. But uh, Scott Haskin uh, and John Mariano before you, uh, my absolute pleasure uh, doing this show with you. Uh, please, everybody out there, if, if you love Aerosmith, please support the band. Buy their uh, constant compilation records. Go see them on tour uh, as they reschedule uh, the, the Peace Out tour, hopefully happening in 2024. And um, if you want to do a podcast on the band, please do. Uh, I'll be listening. And uh, if you don't like a podcast, just just let it go. Just let it go. That's the only piece of advice I'm going to leave you with. But on behalf of Scott Haskin and my good friend Kevin Brown, for the last time, my name is Corey Morissette, and let's throw it over to Stephen Tyler. Tyler. <laughs>